0: Sharon Kane's first book, Peninsula, which won the 2021 Adam Foundation Prize for Best MA Folio, has been described as a novel in stories. These stories follow three generations of a farming family, the Carltons. It's a period of huge change in farming, mirrored by upheavals within the family. While some embrace the lifestyle, others yearn to leave. Sharon now lives in Wellington, but she opted to set her stories where she grew up, in rural Northland. Sam Smale reads from the short story, Horizon.
1: Daryl. Their first encounter was almost two decades ago at the local squash club. She was 21, back from beauty school and interning at the spa down the road. Despite their age difference, she discovered later he had 10 years on her. She was down on the draw to play him. She thrashed him in straight games, then, still dripping with sweat, asked him what he did. I'm a firefighter, babe. Really? He was good-natured about losing, smooth tongue on him, matched his unlined face. No perspiration, as if he'd hardly made an effort. For real. They sent me up here to manage the northern business, stock agency mainly, bit of buying and selling farms. Been out on your coast, bloody gorgeous. Reckon real estate side will grow like wildfire. So that red sports car outside is yours then? She learned sex in a sports car was overrated. Lot of bruises. Totally impractical set of wheels, not least because he preferred tall chicks. He had a way of making her feel like she was his co-conspirator. He could hold his drink, party central, Daryl. When she fell pregnant, she kept working at the spa. Daryl did a deal with her parents. They'd tied the knot in return for accommodation in the spare farmhouse. She'd been keener on the kid part than living on the farm.
0: Sharon, I thought actually that we'd start with um, your childhood growing up in Northland, not wanting to sound like a psychiatrist. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, you write so... Lovingly, really, of the environment. But what was your childhood like? Well, I
2: grew up on a dairy farm um, in kind of quite an isolated area. So looking back now, I mean, I look back at it now with a certain degree of nostalgia, which I think everyone does. But I remember vividly being quite keen to get out of the place. <laughs> You must have met a range of
0: characters, because I get a sense that, I mean, I'm not sure if your family here are based on people you know, or even your own whānau, but uh, there is something about rural life, which is different.
2: Yeah, I think so, and I don't think I really realised that till after I'd left, because at at the time that's all you know. So, um, you know, most of my life I've lived in cities that you come to realise that it's not everyone's experience, Living in small towns or like quite isolated areas so I I kind of base my characters on a range of different people no one character is based on one person I just went with a whole different range of people that you experience throughout your life because I know people all around New Zealand who live in rural areas so while I've kind of wanted to set it in Northland because that's where I grew up I was kind of hoping that readers from all around the country might envisage places near them, maybe. And well, well, I think, the re- I
0: mean, the relationships yeah. and the dilemmas that your characters face are absolutely yeah. universal, aren't yeah, they?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really wanted to layer it with those kind of things, because there's the personal things, but there's also the institutions that shape us, I suppose, like schools, like whether you've got broadband or not (laughs) what the police are like Um, yeah those kind of institutions that everyone experiences all around New Zealand I think so yeah
0: You mentioned before nostalgia I think some of the um, particularly the early works you know that freedom of childhood which I imagine is what you had which is so different to the childhood of today you know that joy of running or or, or eagling or you know whatever it might be right
2: yeah, you get in trouble if you do did some of the ailing that we did as kids. Um, I think we overfished.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when you when you were thinking about this collection, Sharon, I mean, for your first book, it really is ambitious in structure, I feel, because they're how can we say this interconnected short stories, but novelesque in feeling. And I think to pull that off is actually really clever. Why did that work for you to really follow this family through time, not in novel form but in these connected short stories where we we pick up at different times through the... Yeah, it's funny
2: I mean in lots of ways it was a happy accident, like I was pretty pragmatic about it because I was working as well as studying while I did it and I thought, wow, I'm not sure that I know how to keep a whole novel in my head but I could do story by story and I really like interlinked stories, um... I just think they're really interesting, and they're kind of impressionistic. You can go into one and then move into another, and the sum of the whole is just greater than the parts, and you can build. So I didn't know whether it would work when I started doing it, but then once I had a collection of them, I could see how you could arrange them, and I really wanted to go and finish with the youngest generation kind of looking forward. So, yeah, happy accident.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who were the first characters who came... To mind. I mean, I'm assuming it was Um, kind of, you know, generational as the book follows, but maybe it was the younger ones first. I don't know.
2: No, the younger ones came last. What? (laughs) Again, it was reasonably accidental. I wrote, drafted five of the stories, and then in time for my university workshop. And once I'd done those, I kind of said to my classmates, well, what other voices would you like to hear from? (laughs) People said, "Oh, I'd quite like to hear from Jack, People wanted to hear from Willie," and then several people said, "Oh, the next generation I want to hear from them." So that was kind of how I took what sounded the most appealing from the reckons from people. People wanted to hear from the Barclay girl as well, so I think I did everything suggested, except I didn't do Willie, so yeah.
0: So who are the the earliest members of the family? we meet and what's their situation?
2: Well, Peacock's really introduces us to Jim, who's kind of like the patriarch, I guess, of the three generations. That so... was
0: a sad story. Yeah. Well, from, from the bird's perspective. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. The Peacock didn't do well out of it. Yeah, yeah.
0: So who was, who was Jim?
2: A lifelong dairy farmer and... He's having trouble letting go of his role because that's his identity. And he's kind of looking around and reflecting a little bit on his life and how things are going and sort of thinking back on what it's been like and a bit adverse to looking forward, maybe. Although I like to think that during the course of the story he might Shift slightly on that front,
0: yeah well that that kind of follows the um the family too, in a way, doesn't it that, that this, this is a period of great change it's great yes. change on the land and it's yes. great change with the family, and there are upheavals that come with that, and some yes. people will deal with change and, and embrace it, and some people like Jim yes. will struggle,
2: yes, I think a lot of people struggle with change, especially older people, I think
0: and farming has changed. Dramatic. You, you'll see that too. Yeah. Yes, I mean, when you go yeah. back to Northland, what do you see?
2: Yeah. Well, it's funny actually, because when I go back to Northland, it definitely hasn't changed as much as cities have. There is a lot more subdivision and the way things are done have changed. But um, a lot of the people haven't changed. Um, I mean, there's more of them, there's much more pressure on. Resources, not just farming resources, but um, things like sand and metal, which I mention in the book, I think. um, Changes in the way people get around. It's interesting because I think one of the stories might be road, touches on the fact that there's a lot of helicopter commuters now, (laughs) which is (laughs) quite ironic.
0: (laughs) Well, just as the the land and farming are undergoing changes, I mentioned the family is too... I was particularly struck, I think, perhaps with the women's stories, because often these lost dreams for these women. i I, I felt for them, you know. Rural women can
2: be quite invisible in the sense that a lot of what they do is totally taken for granted or it's it's kind of not noticed. A bit like women's sport actually. Like I think of people looking back because it was where I grew up was sports-mad community. And I think a lot of women did all the taking people to sport, looking after everybody, but there's not much story about that around.
0: Yeah. Melissa's um, situation really interested me too uh, because she, when she's reflecting on what happened to her meeting Daryl uh, and Melissa was quite keen on... Um, leaving, Daryl was happy to take some of the family land, you know, set up a family, you know what I mean? So she's not quite trapped, that's a little bit unfair, but her life didn't go in the direction that Melissa would have liked.
2: Yeah, I wanted to capture a number of the characters have what I'd call inertia. They're kind of sort of stuck, both by circumstance and by not quite getting around to making choices, and then they look back and they're like, oh...
0: (laughs) Carrie well, is like that too, and lady Carrie is like that yeah. too. So she's teaching. Yeah. I don't know that she's wildly unhappy, but it wasn't. It wasn't what she had dreamed of doing. Yeah. So she's living yeah. with regrets. There's quite a few regrets around. Yes,
2: here. yes. And even I think the characters like Rachel is quite ambivalent about what she's doing and where she fits. So some of the male characters have the same. Like I think. For example, Richie's kind of made his peace with where he is, which is Brisbane. But when he comes back, there's a certain ambivalence as well. So, yeah, some of the male characters, but others are very grounded in the land and what it means. And others are what I call more disconnected, but there, so yeah.
0: Just before we started talking, I said I had I had um, parallels with Owen Marshall's work. I mean, Owen's work is tends to be very grounded in Mackenzie Country and you know the, the yeah, South Island. Yeah. And but the landscape here, because you know it so well, that's a big part of the story too. I feel.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because when I was first thinking about what to write, I actually spent heaps of time in the South Island because I really love tramping and climbing, and that, my natural instinct was to go there. But I thought, well, how Do you have the depth of understanding of what goes on there? Because it's a place that I visit and then I come up, whereas I thought start somewhere where you grew up, you kind of have a deeper appreciation.
0: There are some writers who get very involved with their characters and find it quite painful to leave them behind. Where are you at with the book?
2: Yeah... Yeah, I found that the deeper I got into it. But I'm probably more a person who starts with the landscape. I really like landscape, so that's where I started. And then I kind of thought about characters. And, yeah, some of those characters, yeah, they're quite quite intense to be with for a long time. I know when I had several weeks off at a row and I was writing a story from start to finish and you spend days with the same character, it, was like, it felt like you were <laughs>
0: Well, who was one of the the characters who who fits into that category? Melissa, definitely Uh When I
2: was writing The Barclay Girl I was like, what would it be like to be in this situation And spend your whole life kind of in denial about quite a few things (laughs) And Sophie as well Sophie's quite an intense um, character What's her story? Uh, Well, Sophie in Trailblazer is kind of desperate to leave, um, but she doesn't really have any clue about what she wants to do once she leaves. So she's kind of on a journey, and a little bit like Melissa, she's in denial about lots of things. Yeah, There's lots of things going on that she's suppressing and trying to work out. Um, but she's much younger than us, <laughs> So <laughs> it's kind of a different dynamic, I think. But, yeah, I did find that. It was like, gosh, I need to go for a run now.
0: <laughs> I love short stories. What's your next book going to be? Will you continue the short story form? Is that, is that your happy place?
2: I kind of think so. I really like linked short stories. I think that style suits me at the moment so quite probably I think um, Are you are
0: you writing your next collection yet?
2: Um, no, no, I've been practising um, <laughs> with my classmates we have a little workshop group so I have been doing a bit of writing but I haven't I need an idea that really makes me feel passionate to get on with it I think because it's such a big process you need something you're really enthusiastic about I think
0: Peninsula by Sharon Kame is published by Te Herenga Waka University Press.